Well, thank you very much, uh, James. You're really raising the stakes here. <laughs> I only got fined 25 minutes from you, so that will be tough for me to share all my experiences in, uh, uh, in China with in my walk of Christ this morning. Uh, let me first uh, start with a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much. We want to bless your name. Thank you for being present in this church for so many years already. Thank you for being alive in us. Thank you for saving us from the hands of darkness. Thank you for being our Lord and Savior and living your life through us. <clears throat> Lord, would you use this message this morning to help each and every one of us, wherever they are, on their journey, journey with you, to come closer to you and take a step out of the boat. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this is a very bright morning. Maybe not for you, but for everyone from the Netherlands, it's a bright morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see there's only one friend from, uh, from my country here. There's two. Okay, good. So sorry about the USA. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, but I wanna, really want to make up with you because at the end of my message, I will show you a picture of your favorite goalkeeper. And you have something that we don't have, at least not in my knowledge, not publicly known knowledge. Uh, he's a believer, and he said something very great, and I will show it to you. That will be the end of my message, so hang on there. It, it, it really it served a purpose for the USA to, to, to participate in the World Cup, absolutely. But, you know, being with the big four, <laughs> that's good. So, it's a bright morning. Thank you very much, uh, Elder Team, to uh, give me this opportunity. I must say I feel very uh, humbled. It's also my first time to, to teach in a church uh, in, in this way. And uh, Zach here uh, helped me to put it in the right perspective. If I mess up, you'll be relieved. I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> if I do a good job, you'll say, oh, so sorry you're going. And I will, be very, <laughs> I will feel very good. I'll be trying to talk to you this morning by the grace of God. And I want to talk to you about getting out of the boat. We've got 11, no, that was 12 disciples in the boat. And since you are also followers of Christ, just imagine yourself to be in the boat. I don't know where your boat is right now. Physically, it's in China. Um, but what I mean to say is where you are on your journey with Christ. When I came to China, I would say my boat was in a different place, vis-a-vis -vis Jesus, than where I am now. Being part of this church, being, living my life in China, walking with Christ, meeting some wonderful people, some brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, have given me a lot of growth. And I want to share a little bit about that with you. Um, what would you say if you were in a boat on a stormy night in the lake and all of a sudden there's this appearance? Well, 11 out of 12 would react maybe as many of us would do as well. Oh, it's a ghost. <laughs> Or maybe with our modern mindset, scientifically formed mindset, we will say, that's just an imagination of the human mind. You know, if Jesus shows up in your life, what's your response? That's the first thing I want to talk about. Can you show the first slide, please? You know, I'm from a tradition in church that we always have a sermon in three points. Um, the theme of this message is trusting Jesus, step out of the boat and walk closer to him. Our first thought is our response when he shows up. Second one, oh, I can see it here, is overcoming our fears. I want to talk about fears a little bit. And the third one is fixing our eyes on him. 
So first about our response when he shows up. You know, actually the response of the disciples in that boat, saying it's a ghost, is a very natural thing. If Jesus shows up in your life, you may also have questions, you may have doubts. Is it him or is it not him? I remember um, one of my first delegations coming to China. I was new to China. I'm working, I was working as a diplomat for the Dutch embassy. We, um, we were heading for Chongqing, which at that time was a, a city governed by a quite strong leader. Uh, he had a vision which was close to, let's say, old-fashioned style communism. And one of the members of this delegation that I had to, uh, let's say, had to uh, support, had to guide uh, during that mission was actually a church member. He knew of my background. He knew that I was a Christian as well. And he said, hey, we're going to be there for a long weekend. Why don't we go to a church there? And I had seen the schedule, which was all arranged by the Chinese government from Beijing and Chongqing. And the Sunday morning was full. We had a busy schedule that, 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 that period. So I thought, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean... You don't, you don't have to go to church. I mean, it's, it's good to go to church. But if you skip a weekend, I mean, God is always there, right? So, really, do you really think it's necessary to ask, uh, you know, if we can go to that church? I mean, that was where my heart was at that time. Okay? I'm very honest with you. But I thought, okay, this is China. I don't know this country very well. I don't know what the response is going to be from the Chinese government if I will tell them, look, I'm a churchgoer, I want to go to church on Sunday, could you help us find a church, please? Uh, because, you know, me and a member of the delegation want to go there. I just didn't know what would happen. And I thought it was actually a big risk. I didn't know how it would, how it would reflect on the way they perceived me. I didn't know how they would reflect on the way they perceived the Netherlands, because I was representing the Dutch government, right? Uh, I didn't know how it was going to reflect on our cooperation that we were just starting up. But I thought, okay, so let's pray about it. And God gave me the courage. And I stepped out and I asked, okay, um, this is the case. Could you help us? And they said, hmm, okay, what church do you go to? I said, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a Protestant by background and so is my fellow delegation member. Okay, well, well, yeah, we don't know much about it, but uh, we'll see what we can do. And I'll tell you what happened. Jesus really showed up for me big time. Sunday morning, 9.30, a black government car drove in front of our hotel. Doors got open, driver was sitting there. Jiao Tong, yes, Jiao Tong. Jiao uh, Tong means church in Chinese. So we got in and we thought, okay, we, where are we going? You know, <laughs> tainted windows. We drove a long way to the city of Chongqing, which was completely unfamiliar to us. And then he made a turn from the river somewhere and he dropped us at a place. Two huge churches were standing there, inviting us with their bells ringing to come to church. <laughs> I thought, I'm glad I stepped out of that boat. And, you know, if I wouldn't have prayed about it, I wouldn't have had the courage to do that. Jesus showed up big time for me at that, at that moment. And this kind of set the tone for me being in China. I thought, you know, it's true. Can you show the first, the next slide? The one who appears in our lives, the one who appears on that lake, the one who lives in you, the one who wants a relationship with you, he is the son he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And next slide, please. 
He says about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. We're not talking about just somebody. We're not just talking about a prophet. We're not just talking about a wise man. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He is God. He can do everything, right? So trusting him is a very good thing to do. It's the most rational thing to do, basically. And letting him just pass by, staying in the boat, is a wasted opportunity. Let's go, um, let's go to the next slide. What we see in the story, what we see in the story is that, uh, no, please go back to the, 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 the last one, is that Peter is the only one in the boat asking this question to Jesus. He is... Um, reaching out and he, he, he raises his voice and he's, he wants to know is this, is this really you? If anything in your life happens just like the call that I, that I was just describing does any person does any event that you think hmm, this might be Jesus this might be God talking to me are you willing in your heart to ask oh Lord, is this really you? like, Jesus, like Peter did it's a good way like, a, like an experiment with your mind to, uh, to do this. We did it in the Alpha course one day. We had, an, uh, we had a small group in Beijing, and we ran the Alpha course. And one of the questions in the Alpha course was this. What would you say, what, was your first, what would your first response be if Jesus entered this room right now? Please go ahead, think about that. What would you do if Jesus would sit down next to you right now? Or maybe tomorrow he would walk in your living room. Because he doesn't ring the doorbell, he will walk in anyway. You know, he, he, has, he has that habit, just of walking through doors. If he really would be there, what would your response be? There were very interesting responses. Some people would say, Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for coming in my, my, my house. Where is your meal? I want to be at your party. <laughs> right? They were looking forward. They were so close to Jesus. They were, they were fascinated by that thought. Others would say, oh, Lord, I'm... I'm very humble. I don't know what to say. Maybe that's you. Others would say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much. What would your response be? I'd like you to think about that and maybe reflect on that later on. My response, let's say, five years ago and now would be very different. Uh, five years ago, I would also say, Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I made of my life. I'm so sorry for... What I, what I missed to do for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to go to that cross. That was where I was, I think, five years ago. I think now, my first response would be, would be more like, thank you. Thank you. And let, please allow me to be in your presence. And I know he will allow it to me. Because I know he saved me. He accepted me. I, through his work, can be called a son of God. Which is really not a sign of arrogance if you say that it's a sign of extreme humbleness because it's through Jesus that you can say this so what's the response in your heart will you ask him Lord is it really you and then if he answers and he just says one word come you know he's not talking a lot of words he's not going like you know it's going to be tough and the road's going to be hard and uh, Maybe you're going to fall every now and then. And there will be some people showing up that really want to distract you from what you're doing for me. 
But uh, I will be there in the end. No, no, that's not that's not Jesus. He just says, "Come." Next slide, please. And Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. And the shepherd is somebody who knows his sheep. But the other way around, the sheep only listen to his voice. The only person that will call him, that they will really listen to, is the shepherd's voice. Because they know him. He feeds them. Every day. He's with them. So, if we are sheep and we are called by the shepherd, we will recognize his voice. That's what Jesus says. And then we'll follow him. Now, how does that look in real life? Because you're not a sheep, you're a human being, as far as I can see. And Jesus is not like the shepherd showing up in your uh, early morning every day in that way. So how to listen to his voice, how to, how to recognize it? Well, the only way is, of course, spending time with him, spending time with the word. And as Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in your mind. By renewing, your, sorry, be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, I learned a lesson in China. I mean, I did my devotions uh, when I was back in the Netherlands and earlier in my life. But I wasn't as faithful as I, as I did it, learned to do it now. Early morning devotions, for me, is really the thing to listen to God's voice, to, to hear his, his word, to recognize his, his voice, and to know what he wants from me. I learned from my brother Rick here, if you abide constantly, that means every day, or actually during the daytime even, you're able to obey instantly. I like that phrase very much. Abide constantly, obey instantly. So if you... If you feel you've lagged behind in your practice of daily devotions, why don't you make a commitment today, get out of your boat, and get back to this practice, because it's really necessary. And only in that way, our mind will be renewed, and we will be able to test and approve what God's will for our life is. And maybe you're in a, pl in a place where you feel you have to do this. You have to do your spiritual devotions. You have to come to Christ every day, read your Bible, pray, and you feel it's like you have to do this to please God. Well, that's, that's not how, how it's like in the Bible. At least not how I learned to experience it. Um, it's there to deepen your walk with Christ. Not to impress him. There's no, no way we can impress him. And also no need. We're saved. We're forgiven. Come to the second point. Our fears... Because what Peter did, it was great, right? He saw Jesus. He saw him for who he was, the Lord of heaven and earth. He asked him, is that really you, Lord? And he was willing to listen to the voice of Jesus. He listened to the voice, come. And he stepped out of the boat. Great. And there he was, walking on the water. And that's like us, right? We're in our life. We're life our life is full of distractions. Our life is full of um, persons voices, influences, maybe your job, maybe even your friend, maybe your family. And you're afraid. Let's say my biggest fears 
are very much related to the thing I told you about this Chongqing story. What will they say? What will they think of me? So actually getting up here is quite a step out of the boat for me. Um, you know, you, we, 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 we are full of anxieties what other people think of us. We actually buy stuff sometimes because we're afraid what people will think of it. And we tend to maybe not buy what we really like, but we buy something that we think other people will like that we have. Cars are such a thing. Well, not, not for me. I don't really care about cars, but I know some people really care about cars and makes our economy thrive, I think. Um, maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not you. Um, so anxieties about what other people think about us. What will they say? How will they evaluate us? They are distracting us of uh, our walk with, with, with Jesus. And I'm sure you can identify it. Another type of fears is, am I really a good father? Am I a good Christian? Am I a good son, maybe? Um, am I a good colleague? Am I a good in my profession? All kinds of fears that come to our mind during daytimes, which distract us from trusting in, in, in Jesus. Am I living my life effectively as a Christian? So where do these fears come from? The first time the word fear or afraid, being afraid, shows up in the Bible, next slide please, is in Genesis 3, verse 10. This is after the fall. We know the story. The first time mankind sinned. He, Adam, answered, uh, God was visiting them. He was, he was asking, where are you, Adam? He was in the garden, right? We all know the story. He, Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. First time afraid or fear shows up in the Bible. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. What's going on here? What's going on? Mankind sinned and felt, they fell short of the standard of God. They felt separated from him. This is very deep in our nature, our fallen nature. We feel separated from God and our response is to hide because we don't trust, we're not sure whether he will accept us. So this fear of rejection that I was talking about, this fear of whether or not we are accepted, has a very, very old history, very deep origins in our fallen nature. Sin gave us this fear of rejection. What's the cure for sin? Oh, by the way, I'm not sure, but if you look at mankind, our history, it seems sometimes the fear for rejection is more powerful than the fear of death. I mean, why do people go to war? Or why do people live a life that they know is putting them at risk? Why do people do things that they know are just bad for their health? Right? Somehow you've, 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 I have the feeling that the fear of rejection is even stronger. And the need for acceptance is so big. So how to overcome this fear? Well, if the, if the, if the, the cause of fear is sin, then the cure for fear must also be the cure for sin. And Adam was in that garden. He was afraid of being rejected. We are in the face of God. Are we or are we not confident that God will accept us? Well, there's only one way. The people of Israel, they were taught their sins needed to be atoned by a sacrifice. The sins needed to be placed on an animal. Blood needed to be shed to cover this sin. 
maybe it's bad theology, but I feel that God has made this, uh, this worship, has made these rituals more for the people to learn to trust him. See, I put all your sins aside. See, see, they're gone. We sent the goat in the desert, the scapegoat, it's called. We sent it in the desert, it's gone. Now please come to me, trust me, live with me. I love you. You are mine. You are my people. Please live your life according to my will. I embrace you. That's why I want this sacrifice. That's why I want this blood to be shed. And you know that during the Old Testament times, it has to be repeated all over, every time again. Every year, the high priest had to go to the holiest of holies. He was the only person who would, who would be allowed to enter the presence of God. But not so after Jesus died. Because after Jesus died, you know, at Calvary, when he died, the veil was torn in the temple, right? The veil that stood between God and man was torn. It disappeared. Mankind, men, everyone who would accept Jesus' sacrifice would be free to be in the presence of God. So the cure for fear is the same as the cure for sin. It's Jesus. It's a sacrifice opening the way, reconciling God with men. If you feel that in your heart, if you feel it in your heart, God has accepted you. Whom, whom then shall you fear? There is a quote from Tim Keller I want to share with you. Because sometimes this can, this can be just theory or theology for you. And you've heard this many times before. But this quote helped me understand where, what, what God is really talking about. He said, God loves the real me. Not who I'm pretending to be to gain other people's approval. Let me, let me read it again. God loves the real me, not who I'm pretending to be to gain other people's approval. Does that make sense to you? Are you trying to be someone to gain other people's approval? Are you maybe trying to be someone who's trying to gain God's approval? You don't need to. He, he accepts you. So Jesus is the basis for our righteousness. Jesus is the basis for our security. He is the basis for our identity. This is why we can be forgiven and we can be acceptable for God. There's no other way. There's no other way. Here's another quote, which is from my um, study Bible. Evaluating yourself by worldly standards of success and achievement can cause you to think too much about your worth in the eyes of others and thus miss your true value in God's eyes. I'll read that again. Evaluating yourself by the worldly standards of success and achievement can cause you to think too much about your worth in the eyes of others and thus miss your true value in God's eyes. If we are safe with God, we are safe with the creator of heaven and earth who gives us security for eternity. Now, if you really feel that, you're ready to face any risk. You're ready to stay, step out of any boat. You're ready to run to Jesus because you know he's reliable. You trust him. Nothing can really happen to you. Can you say, please show this, the next slide? Jesus himself said this, do not worry, saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. There we go, buying clothes. 
For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, I was, when I started working in my professional life, I, was, I just uh, graduated from college. I was looking for a job. I got a job. Uh, I was at a conference. Uh, conference I had a speaker, John Stott. I don't know if you know him, if you heard of him. He's a great speaker from the UK. Started many ministries, also student ministries. And um, he was encouraging us to adopt a holy worldliness or a worldly holiness. Both was fine. He gave us the choice. He said, the choice is not whether you'll be holy or worldly. You have to be holy in the world or worldly in the, in, in, in the church, maybe. I don't know what exactly, but you, you get my point, right? You have to be a Christ follower wherever you are. So he was encouraging us as students to be a Christian in the workplace, basically. Be a Christian in the workplace. And um, for me, at that time, that meant all sorts of things. But one commitment I made at that conference, and that God has blessed throughout my career, is that I would keep praying for my food. I would keep praying for my food during lunches and dinners, if that wouldn't be too embarrassing. Because if you have a big banquet with many people, you say, Sorry, everyone! I committed to God that I pray for every meal. Please be silent for five minutes. No, that, that's not the way you want to communicate God's love to the world. So you have to be, you know, humble and servant-like. But actually, I mean, I, I was doubting about, or, or questioning my decision again when I came to China because I just wouldn't know how, how people would respond. But I kept, I kept it. I kept my commitment uh, as many times as possible, also with Chinese authorities or Chinese uh, network that I, that I was with, and they respected it. They actually responded quite well to it. You know, God blessed it. That's what I would say. I'm not saying everyone should... Pray for their food. If not, your food is going to be not blessed and you're going to you know, have some stomach problems or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. That, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's not your religious duty. It's something that I chose to do to honor God, basically. It's a bit like, I, for me, at that time, I compared it to the choice that the friends of Daniel made when they asked to keep their own diet when they were invited to the court of the king uh, in Babylonia. And... This is something that I sometimes struggle with because I was, it's always you, you meet new people and again you have to tell them, look, I got this, uh, I'm Christian, I pray for my food, could you please, a little silence. It's, you have to step, make that step every time and again, but God blesses it. God blesses it big time and many times, I must say, many times, it's opened up the conversation and people were sharing about their own background. Yeah, I used to go to church, but not anymore. So, oh, why is that? And you have an interesting conversation. And all of a sudden, I find myself talking with Chinese government authorities about Buddhism and religion and Christianity and what's the difference and how you raise your kids. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So that was a little step out of the boat for me. It is every time, actually. But don't worry. I do not worry about it anymore. It feels like growing growing closer to Jesus and allowing him to, to live his, his life through you. Um, our third point is that, G, that Peter, he, overcame, he, he was overcome by his fears. And what did, what did he do? He reached out to Jesus. He, hold, he clasped the hand of Jesus. Jesus reached out to him. He saved him. He was there. And I just want to say here that this is exactly what we need to do. We need to 
stretch out to Jesus and, and hold his hand. Abide in him. I was really inspired by the theme that, that has been around in CCC for, for several months now already. By the conversations that I had with, with Rick about this. Um, reaching out to Jesus, holding on to him. Uh, next slide, please. In every circumstance in our life, helps us to not be anxious about anything. Because what we do, instead of being anxious and you know, talking to ourselves, lying awake at night, I don't know if you have that, you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and worries or anxieties come to your mind. I, start, I really started to make a change there. <laughs> instead of talking to myself, I started talking to God. That's what, that's what he actually told us to do. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's so simple, isn't it? But how to break that cycle in our mind? Because we have monologues in our mind. Break that monologue and make it a dialogue. And what will happen to you? And it happens, I can assure you, it happens. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do we have a wonderful God? Amen to this. Amen. So don't step out of that boat in your own strength. But I don't know what your boat is being. I, mean, I don't know what's going on in your minds right now. You know, and God knows. Maybe, maybe you want to be a better father. Maybe you want to be a better colleague. Maybe you're moving in a new job. Maybe you, I don't know, maybe you're thinking of setting up a, a new ministry. Anything that is your boat, do this, please. Don't step out of the boat in your own strength. Ask God to go with you and ask him anything you want. Because Jesus says, uh, next slide please. No, oh I think you missed, yes. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. And just, I want you to take that literally. Nothing of value, nothing of eternal value is going to come out of you if you're trying to live your life on your own, in your own strength, you can try, but you'll fail. A branch is a branch. A branch doesn't have no roots. It doesn't produce fruits by itself. It can only produce fruits if it's connected to a vine. Simple logic. But we, we tend to forget that. You're the branch. Jesus is the vine. Um, it's interesting, I've uh, watched this movie, The Matrix, recently. It's a cult movie from the 90s. Who likes The Matrix? Ah, good, yeah. Uh, you know the one, right, Neo? He, 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 has, he has these programs with, on, 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 on disks, right? Uh, he can, they can download training programs in his uh, mind. And then all of a sudden he has this very cool martial arts and... And, and he knows how to fly a helicopter. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Down, he, they download programs and all of a sudden he can do these things. Well, in the kingdom of heaven, it's not entirely like the matrix, but there is a similarity. Because Jesus downloads his character in you. That's a process which is not in five seconds uh, there, like it is in the matrix. It's a long life growth process. Just like the grapes. They're not growing overnight, Right? takes a season. So you have, to be, you have to go through some seasons. Cold seasons, warm seasons. Maybe even a dead season feels like the winter. There can be winter times in our life. 
that things are not all that victorious. Because circumstances actually, circumstances are just circumstances. They can change. They are not what God is giving you. God is giving you, in any circumstances, the strength to face it and to respond in a Christian way. Okay, my, yeah. So allow him to, allow Jesus to flow his, his life-giving uh, strength through you so he can shine through you, he can work through you, and amazing things will happen. Um, next slide, please. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I was talking about circumstances right now, and I will, I will finish this, um, this message with a quote from your famous goalkeeper. You know, for, for me, um, leaving back to the Netherlands, I had, uh, I had a couple of job opportunities over the last six months. Uh, two. Two came to, came to my door. And they were great because they implied promotions. The first time, I actually didn't want to have. I, I felt like, what are you really? So I had to ask this question. Is this you, Jesus? Do you want me to be there? Is, is that the job you want for me? I mean, it's, it's a big honor for me, yes. And I think I can do it. But, well, it implies all kinds of practical things that I don't want to deal with. I'm not going into details. It's going to be, take too long. But God changed, he changed my heart in three months' time. And I was actually willing to take all this job. Although I faced still many um, circumstances that would uh, uh, be, be, be tough. And, um, and then the job opportunity d didn't happen. So I started out like I don't want it, then I wanted it, and then it didn't happen. Uh, well, are you playing a game? <laughs> and then the next, just right after that, next job opportunity, good promotion for me. I applied for the job. I came in by, at the last two. But I didn't get it. <laughs> I was left out. I was like, oh God, well, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I've been living a Christian life. You know, you can reward me for that. <laughs> that was my way of thinking. That's a very old way of thinking, right? Because we, we still feel if we live a Christian life, God needs to reward that. <laughs> or we think, I know that doesn't work like that, but we think, you know, if you're living close to God, victory is going to be yours, right? So why did I get the success? So anyway, I got another job, which I'm happy with. I'm fine. I, I really like it. There are many things that I like about it. It's not the promotion, though. So, you know, for my ego, that's a little bit tough. <laughs> but as you can see, I can, I can smile about it. I really I feel completely at peace with it because I am certain, I am certain, and I have peace in my heart that whatever job God is going to give me, He's going to use me. He wants me there. I don't know exactly for what reasons, but I'm pretty sure his reasons are good reasons. Another example, uh, uh, an image, a metaphor that I learned from, uh, from Pastor Rick. If you follow Jesus, you're like <coughs> uh, holding on to a speedboat. You know, it's very fast. No way you can look over your shoulder, right, to your left, to your right, like, oh, that was the reason why I was holding on to the speedboat. Oh, that was the reason. No, you just have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have to fix your eyes on him. Uh, you can't really 
always know what God has done through his life with you. Okay, last thing, the quote from the U.S. goalkeeper, 2014, Tim Howard. He says this, today I am blessed to be living a dream. He does, right? He is your hero. He got a phone call from President Obama, who advised him, by the way, to uh, shave his beard. Uh, Not for aesthetical reasons, but because he was afraid he would be too recognizable on the streets and, you know, not have peace. I'm blessed to be living a dream. And yet, if it all went away tomorrow, I know I would still have peace. That probably sounds crazy to most people, but that's the kind of peace Christ gives. It is rooted in his love, his acceptance, and it surpasses all understanding. That's Philippians, by the way. You can experience the same sense of love and peace too. All you have to do ask for it. Tim Howard, U.S. Goalkeeper, 2014. Thank you very much.